This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. I'm surprised you're you're able to get through a day without taking a nap, given all the training you're doing for the uh, the boxing match coming up this November. Jim is fighting in London, Ontario, in the fight to end homelessness. He's going to be boxing somebody. We don't know who his opponent is yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you are you're going to multiple training uh, classes at the boxing gym, at adrenaline training MMA just yep. to, just in case. Well, it's not. I'm not <laughs> just doing... in case your opponent starts kicking. You want to be ready for it. <laughs> it's not full MMA, just kickboxing classes. But it's mostly boxing. But I'm ready. If you yeah. want to go low, keep those feet on the yeah, ground. I know. Whoever Jim's fighting, and then I, I you didn't bring this up to me which I'm shocked by, but you ran to work yesterday? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you you live, what, 45 minutes? How long did it take you to run here? Half an it's hour? Six kilometers. It took me a half hour uh, to get here. Um, and what I, time? So what time do you leave your house at? 4.30. So I got here at 5. But I was... Uh, <laughs> I was I was wondering tell- why you were out of breath. <laughs> well, I told myself I was going to run to work cuz uh shout out to Boomer's Boxing Gym and Mark who works there who said like you got to run 5k every day basically if you want to get in boxing shape. Now that's probably for 3 minute rounds, but he's like whoever has the best cardio tends to win these things. So I told myself, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're running I to work run now. I will run to work. Now, I said that in July, and I ran for the first time August 23rd. So it's I, I have been doing like some 5K runs around my house in the afternoon, but I, but I, like for me, I'm like I just I want to do something right in the morning, so I have to like I, yeah. once I start running, I have to get to work, so I have to finish. Well, it it also works out well because your car doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I scrapped my car, and uh, <laughs> so it's that or an Uber. You're saving yeah, money. That's true. That's true. Well, I could have taken my wife's car, which I'm using right now too, but I decided not to. But um, I uh, it was. It was tough because I had the backpack on with all the stuff too. I've never ran with like extra weight, and it yeah, wasn't yeah. really a running backpack, so it was flopping it around. A, it a bit. wasn't easy, uh, but yeah, six k at a half hour felt pretty good. But then I did my uh, my boxing or sorry my kickboxing class at Adrenaline at noon, and boy oh boy was I useless! <laughs> like I was so gassed when we were doing no like kidding. focus pads, and then we we're trying to do jumping jacks right near the end. I'm getting leg cramps. Like I cu- I couldn't even finish the jumping jacks and stuff. So. Were are you nervous running to work in the dark? Because uh, that time, uh, I drive to work, and there's been moments where I double-check to make sure my car doors are locked if I'm stopped at a red light. We, we know there's... Yeah, downtown, there's some areas that are pretty rough. Yeah, there's some areas where you could find trouble. Yeah, and there's one street in particular that... Uh, any, at any time during the day, you can see homeless people struggling, uh, sleeping in, in storefronts and stuff like that, so... Before I did get to Dundas Street, I slowed down I, and I walked for about three minutes to ca- catch my breath just in case. <laughs> like, just in <laughs> so, case like so you could run full out if you had to. I don't want to assume that any danger is going to happen or anything like that, but just yeah. in case, I don't know. There's Who knows what would happen? So there there was a lot of people sleeping on the street. And again, that's what I'm training for. 100%. Is to, the fight to end homelessness. So it is kind of... 
It's eye-opening. Yeah, you get a first-hand look, yeah, and it's motivation for you. Absolutely. And I'm not slowing down when I'm running <laughs> at 4 in the morning. Well, if an altercation did happen, you could just explain that to them, and I'm sure they'd leave you alone. Yeah, he's one of us! <laughs> I'm fighting to end homelessness yeah. in November, guys. I'm trying to help. But, um, yeah, it was all safe. I felt good. It was actually, it was. It felt great, you know, getting up and doing something it's an accomplishment. Early, the first thing I'm in the morning, so... Yeah. Will I do it again? Time will tell. I don't know. Well, is the schedule, if you're sticking to the schedule, what is it? Tomorrow you're supposed to be running Tomorrow, work? but I have to do a boxing <laughs> class at 10 a.m. and then a kickboxing class at noon, and I have a soccer game tonight at uh, 6.30, so I don't think There's I'll be always running. an excuse, lazy. <laughs> I know. I'm making Lazy a lot bones. <laughs> if you want to support Jim, he is taking donations for the fight to end homelessness as he trains for his big boxing match. You can find all the details on the Taz and Jim Facebook page. Yes, our Facebook page is still up and running. Look for us, Taz and Jim, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. And we got to thank everybody for the uh, nice comments about uh, the news story that was all over the place yesterday about your wife, Jim. Mm -hmm. If you missed it before Jim's wedding, his wife, it sounds like the plot of a of a soap opera, but his wife went into a coma mm -hmm. basically two weeks out from the wedding because of a, uh, a procedure she had done for an existing condition that went wrong and uh, she had to be intubated. So a tube down her throat, she was out cold, didn't know if the wedding was going to happen. It ended up going off without a hitch. Jim, you're now a married man. Yeah, except I had to marry her identical twin like the soul proper that it was. No, nah, four days before the wedding. The though. evil twin? Yeah. Sarah's evil twin, Tara, took her place. <laughs> but yeah, literally four days before the wedding, she woke up after a week in a coma and we're like, are we going to pull this off? She couldn't walk. Yeah. It was crazy. She, she had to learn how to walk without a walker in mm -hmm. four days. It, it is, it's a wild story and Sarah decided to share it. Uh, because she wanted everyone to know how great the healthcare is in uh, the area, specifically at the London Health Sciences Center, where she was treated. Uh, got a text here from Steve Gofton. He says, Jimbo, just seen Sarah and your story on the local news. It's awesome to hear it turned out great, and you guys shared it, showing people how good this area healthcare is. And damn, how did you snag her, you lucky bugger? <laughs> Damn, Jim. Yeah, easy, Steve. Damn. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, well, in the CBC article I saw yesterday, there was a lot of pictures from your wedding. And my wife, who, who does photography mm -hmm. and has photographed weddings, was like, wow, Jim's wedding pictures turned out great. Sure. Shout out Zealand Photography. Yeah, they I earned it. I know it's, it's, a, it's a tough bill to pay. Because you're like, what? I'm going to pay that much just to have pictures taken? But it's worth it in the long run, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody's got the picture of their parents on the wall. The You know, you Last need the forever. wedding photos, yeah. And damn, how did you snag her, you lucky bugger? <laughs> FYI, love your guys' show. Keep it up. Say hey to Taz. Hey, Steve. What's up, Steve? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what else is happening tonight? What's that? Well, the story, I don't know, I think it must have got a lot of positive feedback because she was on CBC, CTV, like multiple news outlets. I think she's on with De uh, Devin Peacock at yeah, Global, Global News. Global News, all morning. over the place. CTV National hit her up 
Now she's going to be in the uh, Canada-wide broadcast. So tonight at 8.45, she has to do like a live Zoom call um, with who I, I haven't watched CTV National in years, but I don't know who's doing it. But I can somebody. tell you who's not doing it. Lisa LaFlamme. <laughs> Lee, too soon. <laughs> but I'm gonna. I should like somehow put a Taz and Jim thing in the background yes. of her office. Make her Maybe wear. Put, make her wear a Taz and Jim shirt. Well, she's probably gonna want to wear like a nice like. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is I, a I, viral I, I, marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. opportunity. No, I'll get her to wear a, a Taz and Jim lanyard or something, <laughs> or I'll hang some sort of artwork in the back. I'll try to get a Taz and Jim item on the on the broadcast. And I won't be around. I'm at a soccer game, so I can't be on it. But. Uh, Try to get a Taz if and Jim. If she plug. really loves you, yeah, she'd do it, right? She she will wear a Taz and Jim t shirt during that any interview she does from now on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, what's the what's the point of even going into I a know. coma if you can't exploit it for your <laughs> husband's radio show this later is, on? This is what she needs to do. She needs to say, I know it feels like it feels like a miracle us pulling this wedding off. Not as much of a miracle though as my husband's radio show, Taz and Jim. Truly unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's a miracle. I uh, I enjoyed, we talked about this yesterday on the show, and after, we archive things after the show, and Jay, Jim saved this, the segment from yesterday as Sarah's Coma Media Tour. <laughs> 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 the Coma Media I Tour know. continues. Nationwide. Nationwide, baby. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. So they got this new Superman movie coming out. James Gunn is producing, directing, mm-hmm. writing the thing. He's the guy who took over the DC Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and he had to put out a public statement to let people know that porn star Johnny Sins will not be playing the role of Lex Luthor in the new Superman movie because someone made a meme. <laughs> Do you know who Johnny Sins is? No. He, he's a he's a bald male porn star. He would looks a lot like you'd imagine Lex Luthor would look. Bald, tall, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, big good guy. shape. Yeah, okay. Good shape. Hmm. Looks good in a suit. Sure. Looks even better out of a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Is so, he like he's so he's like a famous like he's a record he's a like that guy? I don't know if I don't know because we have oh, some dude. filters <laughs> on our work Sims. computers. I don't know if you can Google image Johnny Sins. I've seen this guy in memes before, but I don't think I ever got the joke. But I guess the joke is that he's a porn star. He's a but porn star. On- so if you recognize yeah. him, it means you watch pornographic films. But yeah, I saw a thing that was like a bunch of it's like why are all these bald? Why are all the most overpowered people on TV? <laughs> Bald or something. It showed like Mr. Clean and it showed this guy and a couple other bald people. I didn't know who he was, but now I do. Yeah, he's not playing Lex Luthor. And and James Gunn made that very clear on social media last week. (laughs) (laughs) Said, are you guys kidding me? You believe this? (laughs) That'd be amazing. Why not? Do some stunt casting, James Gunn. Make Uh it happen. It wouldn't be the first time. There have been porn stars who have been in mainstream movies. Ron Jeremy was in Boondock Saints. Was he? Yeah, he got he got murdered in Boondock, Boondock Saints. Who else? I know that Gianna Michaels was in Piranha Three Double D. That's basically <laughs> porno. Wasn't she topless the whole time? <laughs> she was parasailing topless, and then 
And then her parasail uh, lost. The boat wasn't going fast enough. Wasn't going fast. She yeah, went in the yeah. water and all the piranhas ate her. Yeah. And they're like, speed up. We're like, we can't. And then she's getting eaten while topless. And then I think the boat starts going fast again. She comes out of the water and there's, her no legs, legs are gone. <laughs> Good acting. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to <laughs> Gianna Michaels. I'm trying to think if there's any other po- like because there's very few go to the it's next a, level. It's a tough crossover. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's a joke. Unless you go the other way, where you start in mainstream films, and boy, then you, that's a tougher crossover. You hit some hard times, <laughs> yeah. and then your only option is to get into adult entertainment yeah. after that. I'm trying to think, I think the almost like the porn star is is almost gone. Oh, there's so many now. There's oversaturation. There's no like star anymore. I oh, think. Tell that to Johnny Sins. <laughs> <laughs> Not Lex Luthor in the new Superman movie, by the way. Earlier in the show, we were discussing uh, this funny meme someone made. It claimed that James Gunn, director writer, had cast Johnny Sins, who is an adult film star. In the role of Lex Luthor. Now he's he's a bald guy. He looks the part. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, he big and evil. Except Lex Luthor wears more clothes. <laughs> Generally, a suit. <laughs> yeah, he's a bald guy though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a hoax, and James Gunn responded. He's like, Johnny Sins is not playing. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but he had to post something on social media saying, "This is how can you guys believe this?" Yeah, well, it's still a more believable casting than Jesse Eisenberg. Honestly, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's more believable than hearing that Jesse Eisenberg is getting into porn. <laughs> <laughs> true as well. Uh, and we were discussing like what uh, what mainstream movies have adult film stars been in like is there a, is there an adult film star that has crossed over and become a mainstream uh, superstar in Hollywood and this is the one we kept getting texted to us Sylvester Stallone oh yeah. there is that legend the that classic back when he was writing Rocky he was a struggling actor he hadn't made it yet and he was offered a role in a uh, low budget film called The Party at Kitty and Studs <laughs> He accepted work, was paid $200 to work two days. Says the only reason he did it, he was desperate and he was evicted from his uh, his apartment. He was homeless at the time. Good Lord. So he decided to star in The Party at Kitty and Studs, which once Stallone hit the big time, they renamed the film The Italian Stallion. It's good marketing right there. <laughs> Put his picture on the box, and the rest is history. Yeah, it was softcore though. Yeah, I'm thinking. Like, Does that count? Like, softcore. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess it's not. It could be worse, but I think everything was kind of softcore back then, though. Really. Uh, <laughs> no. Okay, I guess just the ones I was seeing on uh, on TV, you know, on city TV or whatever. Some of the it late night all, ones on TV. It was yes, all compared but... to the stuff out there now. Yeah, easily accessible now too. But weirdly enough, everybody knows the story about. Well, a lot of people know the story about uh, Stallone doing the doing the porno. But I don't think I've ever seen like a screenshot. Or well, here any- you go. Let me oh. spin the computer around. <laughs> it's up there. He's in bed with just a. He's sheet. covered up. Yeah, yeah, he's covered up by his sheet, but I he's even, topless. I barely recognize him. You can definitely tell it's the seventies based yeah. on that furniture and the and his crazy haircut, the paisley pattern on that bedspread. <laughs> hmm. 
But, uh, yeah, I guess that would be a good example if if you think that qualifies because, you know, there's no uh, – it, you know, it's soft yeah, core. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, soft yeah. core. I think it still qualifies, and it's the closest I think we're going to get to somebody making that transition. To be a major Hollywood star. Yeah. yeah. Like Ron Jeremy has made cameos at best. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. So my six-year-old son Grayson got a real treat this week. You know he's been obsessed with Back to the Future since he was like three years old. We have watched those movies over and over on the television. He's got a Back to the Future uh, children's storybook that he memorized when he was about three. Um, And we've talked about that on the air. Got a message from Mike, one of our listeners, uh, and his wife Karen. They said, our son Owen also was obsessed with Back to the Future when he was young. He, he, when he was about seven, turned to us and said, Mom, Dad, when I'm a man, I'm going to need a car, and the car I want is the future car. Whoa. And he drew a picture, a little seven-year-old pencil sketch of a DeLorean. <laughs> it hangs on the wall in their garage to this day, right next to a freaking DeLorean that is done up like the time machine from Back to the Future. Amazing. A legit DeLorean, not a mock-up? No, this is the real deal. So we pull into their driveway. Mike is waiting for us. Grayson gets out of the car. He doesn't know what he's in for. And Karen's inside. She hits the button on the garage. And just like the back of Doc Brown's truck opening up in the movie, there was no smoke coming out. I was out hoping of the back. that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been a nice touch. Perhaps for next some time. lasers. <laughs> the, the garage door opens yeah, and yeah. Grayson's jaw just drops because there it is the Back to the Future car. And I have a video of him opening, like, who gets to open a gull wing door like that in it real is life? Sweet. It, it is, is sweet. so cool. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like, for me, it was like meeting a celebrity because as a kid, I was 1985, I would have been seven years old. I would have been Grayson's age when I first saw that movie. And I started thinking about uh, going to the theater with my grandma and my mom. And uh, it, like, it's a vivid memory I have hmm. from my childhood. And it all came back, and that car's sitting there. And, you know, people were laughing at me when I was at the movie theater because I was confused by the movie when I first saw it. And I, I remember asking questions and people around me were like, this kid's so dumb. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. the questions? Well, I, I think I was really concerned that, because remember at the start of the movie, Doc Brown gets shot by the terrorists. And then he's hanging off the, the wire on the clock tower. And yeah, I was yeah. very, I'm like, is that guy going to die again? <laughs> Anyways, I started getting teary-eyed. Looking and, and touching and feeling sure. and seeing this DeLorean in real life. It was such a special moment. Nostalgia overload. And I got to give a kudos to Owen, who made his dream come true, you know? Like, what a what a case of, if you want to do something, do it. Yeah, following through. Yeah. Yeah. So he's built everything, all the attachments on the car, he built himself. He's been using 3D printers. Wow. Finding stuff online and... To sit in that car yesterday, it really was special. It was a magical moment, Jim, you know? Yeah, and what time did you guys travel to? Well, we they had the time circuits in there, and they punched in my birthday, June 30th, oh, 1977. Yeah. 
to end it before it started. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. you mentioned nostalgia. That's the power, Jim. Totally. <laughs> The Taz and Jim Podcast. You know Rotten Tomatoes. You got the critic score and the audience score. And Mm -hmm. I I would say that Adam Sandler probably is the king of low critic score, high audience score syndrome. Right? Totally. Critics don't always love his work, but usually... the common folk are all over him. Mm-hmm. He stood the test of time. And I trust the, the the audience more than the critics generally anyway. Yeah, most of the time for sure. Because I don't need it to be pretentious or like classically a good film. Is it fun to watch? That's all I care. Well, Adam Sandler uh, last summer was in the Taz and Jim listening area filming his new movie, uh, You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. <laughs> Quite the title, right? Uh, the film now has a trailer out. And it, it actually looks pretty funny, man. What's the matter? Something bugging me? She betrayed me. She kissed my crush, and then he touched her on her boob and pee. A, B, C, D, E, F, U. Oh, hi, underboob. Hey, I got plenty of that. Was <laughs> <laughs> that Sandler dressed up as a grandma? No, it wasn't. Okay, Thank God. It sounded like it could have been a Jack and Jill situation. <laughs> so the premise of the film is Adam Sandler's daughter is betrayed by her best friend just before her bat mitzvah, and they get in a big fight. I looking at the trailer, Adam Sandler's not even in it that much, hmm. and uh, and he's the father figure in the film. But despite that, it's getting great reviews. Sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Never would have guessed with that really long title. Yeah. You know, it just sounds like it could have been terrible, but yeah, good for him. And if you're from Guelph, Toronto, somewhere in between, you may recognize some landmarks in the film while mm-hmm. you're watching it. It's coming to Netflix. Um, this Good for Sandler. He is a man of the people. Like when he was in the area, he was pulling over and saying hi to people. Uh, he went to a comedy show, our friend Black Zeus. Mm-hmm. This is a great clip. Black Zeus was doing a, a stand-up show in Toronto, and he looked out into the crowd and saw a familiar face. Remember this? So I'm just waiting for my name to get called up, and... I look at the corner of my eye and I see this white guy walk in with basketball shorts. I'm like, that, that's like an Adam Sandler movie. And then I look, I turn my head and it's Adam Sandler. Wow. I like that he just rocks the basketball shorts even in public. Like, I've seen him play around. But... Yeah, in, in terms of wardrobe, he is probably the most comfortable celebrity out there. Yeah. When you're worth 300 mil, you can wear whatever you want. Whatever you want. Dude, I, I don't know. It's almost like some mythical like genie stories around this guy. Because I heard that he was playing basketball with random people in the streets before he showed up to the comedy club. Yeah, and he's like, he's he's all over the. He's shooting that bat mitzvah movie uh, in Ontario, and people he's stopping in for lunch and pulling over and chatting with people on the side of the road. A lot of Sandler sightings lately. It was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, actually, you're not wrong. There were a lot. A lot of the comics were starting to whisper that he was around, but. You don't expect that he's going to show up right before you go up on stage. I reached for my water bottle, and my water was shaking. Like I'm like, <laughs> is this an audition for Adam? It felt like an audition in a, in a weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're on stage. But, Adam Sandler's in the crowd. How do your eyes not keep going back to Adam Sandler to see if you're making him laugh? Did you make well, him laugh? 
the layout of the of the club was that he actually snuck in during the show, so the the audience didn't really see him come in. Hmm. Just me and a couple of the comics, and he snuck over to the bar area. So I was able to just do my thing. And as soon as my name gets called, it, it's a really weird like switch that gets flicked. It doesn't really matter what's going on beforehand. When you hear your name get called, it's like, oh, it's go time. And I went up. The, the comics told me the entire time he didn't look at his phone or anything. I got a ton of belly laughs. This is the kicker, though. As soon as I got off stage, this guy, like, daps me. He's like, man, that was really great stuff. I really love your stuff. Don't stop. And then before he leaves, uh, he, he yells out to me that he loves me. He's like, I love you, Zeus. Wow. Oh, so you dapped like, up. Z- you, Sandman. you dapped up Sandler? He da- man, he dapped me up. <laughs> he said that I got the blessing from the Sandman. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, Black Zeus. Hopefully he gets a role in the next Sandler production. You never know. <laughs> Black Zeus, if you get the chance to uh, see him perform, make sure you take it. He's a very funny guy. And Sandman approved. Mm-hmm. Just like you are so not invited to my bat mitzvah is Rotten Tomatoes approved. Sitting at 100% right now. Let me see a peacock. Devin Peacock, our sports guy, joins us here on the Taz and Jim Show to talk about one of the greatest... Major League Baseball players of all time, Shohei Otani, or should we say, Show No Otani? He was going to be Show Me the Money, but now uh, he's in a bit of trouble here. So, what's happened is he's been shut down for the season. He's been having a great season at the plate, but also on the mound. He has a ERA at like 3.18, 3.21, thereabouts. He's got 10 wins. He's been crushing on the mound. He's got over 40 home runs. Like, he's just been destroying everyone. He's by far the best Pretty player. Good. However, he has now hurt his UCL. Oh, no, my knee, Tony. <laughs> Sorry, you guys all had a pun. I wanted to get in there. <laughs> he's, uh, he's hurt his elbow, which is so he's hurt his UCL in his, throwing, in his throwing arm, which is the inside of the elbow. Yeah, it's not his knee, Jim. It's his arm knee. That's what you call elbows? You know your elbow yeah, your is your arm knee? Yeah, yeah, okay. My Shohei Otarmni. <laughs> he's already had Tommy John in the past, and so Man. now there's not there's it's unknown if he's going to need uh, surgery. So the big question is, how does this affect his free agency? What do you think is going to happen? So there were a lot of projections in terms of what he would get. There were people were saying it's bidding starts at five hundred million dollars for him. A lot of people are saying six hundred million. One person even said he should be worth seven hundred million dollars. Maybe, but is this pattern like I, I? He is the greatest player in the league, uh, but is this not inevitable, these injuries? Like, he's kind of wearing at his butt. He's burning the candle at both ends, right? Because most pitchers do not bat the way he bats, no, or at all. No, so, I mean, if you look at the Yankees right now, if you are a Yankee hater, you're loving what they're, what's happening with them because they have just gone completely into the tank. You look at their contract situation, Giancarlo Stanton is making, you know, like north of $30 million for the next four years. He's like 31, 32. He's breaking down already. They just signed Aaron Judge to a monster contract. There's no way that age as well. Shohei Otani is 28-29, so he's looking at a 10, maybe a 12-year contract. For him to get the value out of that, you need him to be a pitcher and a hitter, but if he becomes just a hitter, you're paying him $600 million, you as a team are in trouble. The Taz and Jim Podcast. Jim, we're coming up on our three-year anniversary, 
of hitting the airwaves in Hamilton. Man, time flies. You know, one of the greatest things about being on the air in the Hammer is uh, jumping on the Ticats bandwagon, being embraced by the team and the fans, and getting to go to Tim Horton's field and enjoy games, man. Heck, we're part of the game, kind of. We're on the Jumbotron. That's right. Talking to the players and stuff. We're part of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love going to the games. It is such a great atmosphere, such a great time. And the Great Cup this November we don't we don't, we is going to be a party. Yeah, baby. I've got a number here. This guy's the man. Matt Offnick, the president and COO of business operations with the Ticats. I think he's expecting our call, and he's ready to tell us about some of the uh, events going on surrounding November's Grey Cup weekend. Let's see if we can get him on the line here. Hello? Hello, is that Matt? It is Matt. Matt, it's Taz and Jim calling from Y108. Gentlemen. How's it going? Good, boys. W- wish this was on Zoom so we could do some baby pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going well? I was uh, at the Alouettes oh, game. Brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. A couple weeks ago, and it got a pretty good crowd reaction. It, it was hard to pay attention because my, oh, my son was, Daddy, it's Daddy on the big yeah. screen. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. No, nice to speak with you guys and really appreciate the all you're doing to support the team and uh, and all the stuff we got going on. Yeah, it's great. Too bad about the injuries. I mean, hey, man, still, uh, it's not even Labor Day, as you know, in the CFL, the season doesn't actually start till Labor Day, so we're, uh, <laughs> we're good. Don't yes. count us out, man. <laughs> Love it, Oski Wee Wee. Yes, sir, uh, Matt. Uh, the Grey Cup Festival built in the Hammer. Whether or not the Tie Cats are there, it is going to be a huge party, right? Yeah, it's going to be a spectacular, spectacular party. And, uh, you know, listen, we unveiled uh, the majority of the plan uh, last week, and it's been met with uh, awesome enthusiasm. So the way we thought about it is is try to bring um, as many of the great parts of Hamilton, both culturally uh, and people and communities, into the Grey Cup environment just to uh, make sure that there's a role and a a role to play for all of those people. Um, And we're excited about how we do that, whether it's, you know, Super crawl, producing all the outdoor stuff to Santa Claus parade to outdoor running races to you name it, all these kind of best in Hamilton traditions coming to pick up. And that's all obviously in combination um, with kind of the CFL traditions, right? All the team parties, all the music, all the things that go with it. So certainly an ambitious plan, uh, lots going on and it doesn't matter who the teams are. It's really a celebration of, of Canadiana and uh, Canadian sport. Yeah, and this is a destination event. If you've never been to a Grey Cup, the party surrounding the game oh, yeah. is just as much fun as what takes place on the field. And so if you're listening to our show, if you're in London, if you're anywhere driving distance to Hamilton, I mean, heck, people are going to be flying across the country to take part in this thing. So if you're an hour, hour and a half away, uh, you're going to miss out if you don't uh, plan to be at the Grey Cup Festival this year. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm glad you said that because it, it really is one of the great experiences you, know, you can have being a Canadian is going to these events leading into Grey Cup. And, you know, everyone's wearing their team gear, whether they're from, you know, Abbotsford or Brandon, Manitoba or Hamilton. And it doesn't matter what team you cheer for. Everyone kind of comes together and um, is, is pretty social about it. And that's one of the great things about the CFL community is, you know, while we compete on the field, off the field, uh, you know, there's this sense of camaraderie and connection that I don't think you see 
any other sport. And, and the traveling audience for Grey Cup is, is tens of thousands that come in from out of town. Uh, they don't blend in because they're wearing their team colors with pride uh, from when they get here. From <laughs> Somebody with a watermelon sometimes, on their head? Yeah, sometimes on their faces, their yeah. team colors. Uh, totally, totally, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a great party for sure. And it's, an, it's really, guys, the biggest annual sporting event we have in our country and one that uh, really does truly bring people from coast to coast to whoever's hosting it. And that's why it's going to be such a great event here in Hamilton. I like the parties. I like the tailgating. I like the super crawl that's going to be going on on James Street. There's like food trucks and bars all up and down that street, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been to super crawl. It happens in September here in town. And Tim and his crew that, that run that are, are the best at what they do. So them putting a great cup spin on that will be awesome. But, yeah, the ability to kind of party inside and outside up mm-hmm. and down that corridor uh, over the course of you know the three days leading into the game, and then game day Sunday will be uh, will be something else, guys. And it's nice that Niagara Falls is getting a bit of the action as well. You got the CFL awards going on in Niagara Falls, the concert series, and uh, buses have been arranged. So if you're in Hamilton, you can get to Niagara Falls and back pretty easily. Yeah, we're we're thrilled. We've been able to you know what we're calling like kind of regionalize the Grey Cup and listen. Um, from an economic standpoint, like bringing tourism in, it's, it's a huge part of what the Grey Cup delivers and being able to do that um, in a way that we involve more of the province and some of the best the province has to has to show down in Niagara Falls, but not do so with compromising anything going on in Hamilton is really, truly magic. So, truly magic. You know, people coming in from out of market that maybe don't realize, you know, the falls is really only 35 minutes from Tim Hortons Field. It's pretty close. Um, and there's great facilities down there, whether it's hotels, hotel rooms, venues, obviously where we're doing uh, player awards uh, at at Falls Week Casino, um, and then a big show at uh, Old G Stage, which is obviously an amazing concert facility thereafter. So being able to capitalize on that and make sure people have a free and uh, safe way to get back and forth from the Hammer to, to Niagara Falls was a huge part of this. And, you know, it just shows the scale of what the Grey Cup is and has become uh, in terms of our ability to do it regionally. Matt Ovnick, President and CEO of Business Operations with the Hamilton Ticats. We'll see you at the Labor Day Classic coming up really soon, the start of the season. <laughs> uh, and then, that is correct. And then we can't wait to uh, take part in the, uh, in the celebration of Canadian football at the Grey Cup Festival in the Hammer this year. Uh, thanks for letting Y108 and Taz and Jim be a part of it. Taz, Jim, appreciate all your support of the team, and uh, look forward to seeing you on Labor Day. Thanks a lot, guys. If you want more details, you can find them at graycupfestival.ca. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. I want to see your peacock, cock, I want to see your peacock, I want to see your peacock, I want to see your we are joined by Devin Peacock, our sports guy slash Toronto Maple Leaf super fan who came bursting into the studio just uh, dying to talk about this news. Looks like Austin Matthews is sticking around Toronto for a while, Dev. Little pep in my step, and if you're a Leafs fan, there should be one in yours as well. He has agreed to a four-year contract extension. He's got one year left on his current deal, so five more years in Toronto at least. New deal will pay him $13.5 million a season on average, 
Most of this money is going to be in bonus money. So his actual salary will be a little over $700,000. But the signing bonus for his next deal will be a little over $15 million on July 1st. So that is basically lockout, strike-proof. Regardless of what happens over the next five years, Austin Matthews is getting paid. Do you like this deal? I think if you are a Leafs fan, if you're the Leafs themselves, you probably wanted five, maybe six years. But I'll take four. Again, this is I look at this almost as a five-year contract moving forward because he's under contract for the next five years. Total, that's you know nine years with his two deals, his rookie deal. That's 12 years in Toronto at the very least. This, to me, does not suggest in any way, shape, or form he wants to leave at the end of this. He's just trying to maximize his earning potential. Austin Matthews has viewed his whole contract situation very different than a lot of other players. A lot of other players go for term. They go for eight years. The Leafs could have done that here, but you'd be looking at $16 million maybe per season because he wants to get the highest possible you can. And in this case, I think he took even a little less. Like What he's making right now is 11.6. He's going up to 13.5. A $2 million bump for Austin Matthews, a guy who's going to go down as the greatest player in franchise history, is not a huge increase. So I think it's a really good deal for Toronto. I think a lot of Leafs fans are happy he's back. I've heard some skepticism saying we paid too much. This makes him the highest played player in the NHL. And you'd assume that when Marner's contract comes up, he's going to get a very similar, very expensive contract. Is that too much to pay for two guys? I think you have to look at it in terms of the percentage of the cap. And when you look at the next deals for, uh, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle and Edmonton, it's going to be something similar, possibly even more given how they have performed. I don't think it's too much because if you're not going to have a Marner, are you going to have like a Marner light who's making close to that anyway? I mean, money for players is going up because the cap is going up. So overall, this is a good news story. The Leafs have been squeezed in the cap, not because they have spent too much on the players because of the pandemic. We've had a flat cap for like three or four years now. If we didn't have the pandemic, which had the cap stagnant, the Leafs cap situation would be in a very different uh, position right now where they could have added even more. So I don't have any problem paying big time players, big time money.